Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We're not doing this, however, without considering the works we're committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. Good morning, everybody. This morning, as we're going to be concluding our series on questions, a lot of what came from my time studying was actually about this walk and about some of the things that have been developed. And what I want to do is ask this question, what is a Christian? And if you will turn with me to Acts chapter 11, we will look at it and we're going to be talking about imitating Christian atheists and escapism. But we're going to start in Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 26. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen, the previous chapter we see that Stephen had been stoned to death for his faith in Christ. He was the first martyr. They traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. When it talks about speaking the word, what that means is they were continuing this message, what we know as the gospel. That is what is referred to here as the word. Remember, they did not have the Bible as we have it today. It was not written. Even at this point in time, the letters of Paul were not assembled. And so when it talks about that they were speaking the word, what word were they speaking? They were, they were speaking about this news of who Jesus is. What is that news? It's that God has loved us and has given Christ to us to be a demonstration of that love, ultimately showing itself on a cross. And so they're sharing that word to no one except the Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to Hellenists. Hellenists were Greek-speaking Jews. These are people who have now been influenced by the, the Grecian culture. They are not considered to many of the Jews at that time to be kind of pure. 
And, and so now this news, this word is spreading to these Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord is with them, and a great number who believe turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. This is the beginning of a movement where this group of people meeting who were talking about this person, Jesus, starts to become well-known and is given a name. And the name they're given includes the name of who they are following. The idea of Christian is a, a little Christ. It is a follower of Christ. It's important to note that the name was given to them. It wasn't a name they established for themselves. Oftentimes we get a clearer picture of who we are when we hear it from someone else than when we think about it for ourselves. Have you ever thought of yourself as maybe being a person of great patience or maybe very handsome? And then someone like your kids point out to you how impatient you are and your bald spot or something like that, right? They, they kind of bring you back down to earth. You know, you're a little overweight. Wait, you know, I look in the mirror and I'm fine. They give you a little bit more of an understanding because they have maybe a clearer view at some things than you do of yourself. And it's important to recognize that because this is true of so many things. We get sometimes a clearer picture of ourselves personally. We can get a clearer picture of ourselves culturally when you go outside of a culture. I remember being in Wales one time and there was about, oh, 25 or 30 young adults on a bus. And then I was aware of all these people looking at us who were from, you know, the UK. And I remember one of them saying, they're so loud. <laughs> I had no idea we were so loud. It was just who we are. But here were these people and they were just loud. And all of a sudden I became aware of everywhere we went, we were very loud, <laughs> right? And so culturally you get another idea of who you are from other people, just also in government, you get a different perspective. We see ourselves from a frame of mind that maybe is a little bit prejudiced, maybe is a little limited. And so it's important to have these altering views. And it's interesting here that they are called Christians by others. One of my favorite quotes, an ominous quote by my pastor, Erwin McManus, says, we were once called Christians by an unbelieving world, and now we call ourselves Christians, and the world calls us hypocrites. The reason they were called Christians is because they were imitating what Jesus did and who Jesus was. My grandson, 
it's fun to get him to start doing things because he imitates. I taught him to shake his head no, just because I thought his mom would appreciate that. <laughs> and so I'd look at him and I'd go, no, no, no. And he'd look at me and start going, no, no, no. Crane taught him how to stomp his feet. If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. And he's like Godzilla there in the kitchen now that he's walking. Right? The other day, he was in the other room. I was in the kitchen. I could hear him. And I just started saying, go, 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 go. And this little voice from the other room starts going, go, 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 go. And just starts screaming. And so I'm teaching him all these great phrases that he's going to need to know. <laughs> because he sees and then he imitates. He sees some things and he wants to do what you're doing. And that's what happened in this early church. They saw who Jesus was and they wanted to be like him. And so they would start imitating him. See, being a follower of Jesus, being a Christian, was not about meeting certain doctrinal understandings. It was actually about having a certain life practice that was seen towards others. It wasn't about knowing the right things. It was about behaving the right way towards other people. Being a Christian was a participating in the life of Christ. Because I know a lot of people who are doctrinally sound, but they don't look anything like Jesus. They're very judgmental. They're very unloving. But they can tell you doctrinally what it means, how important it is to have these things, but you don't see it in their lives. And and then I say, is that a Christian? They're not imitating. They're not following. They don't look like. And so we see this first attribute is this imitating of who Jesus is participating in the life of Christ. The history of how Christians became so predominant in those first few centuries is really remarkable. To where at about 300 AD, in the Roman Empire, as many as, or as much as 10% of the Roman Empire was thought to have been Christian. The numbers can't be, you know, set in stone, But it's amazing that it grew in 300 years to become 10% of the populace. And how it became that is really a phenomenon. See, the Romans would look at these followers of Jesus and they didn't quite know how to put them in a category. They didn't have a temple. They didn't worship idols. They would just meet in homes. They didn't have a lot of traditions that they would follow that you could kind of go along ceremonially. They would have a a supper that they would meet together and then they would have a baptism. And that was about it. And so the Romans started thinking them as atheists because they didn't have all the symbolic things that they saw connected to religion. Also, at this time, the religion that they would follow is very different than what maybe we think of religion today. Because religion was something that you would go to the gods to try and get something that you couldn't have 
or that you were out of control over. I want a healthy child. Go to the gods and offer sacrifice so that you can have a healthy child. I want our crops to grow. Go to the gods and, and sacrifice so that your crops will grow. That was the, the role that religion played. You go to the gods to get the things that you can't or have no control over. But then if you wanted to know the meaning of life, you went to the philosophers for that. That wasn't your religious life. That was your philosophical life. But all of a sudden, these Christians are talking about meaning and purpose in life. And again, they're not fitting into the religious aspect. They're becoming this kind of a philosophy combined with this belief. And so they actually saw them as cannibals because they talked about partaking of the Lord's body. They saw them as atheists because they didn't worship in temples or have idols. In fact, the lack of worship in idols started to affect them economically because they weren't going and buying all the latest idols because what do you do when your idol breaks? You got to go buy a new one or your kids, you want to give it to your kids. They're not buying the idols anymore. And so it's affecting their society. But who are these people who are affecting our society? They're not fitting into this religious role and they're kind of in this philosophical role. But what's going on? One of the problems they had was these Christians would not worship other gods. That in itself wasn't a problem because the Jews did that as well. Rome would allow the Jews to have their own God and worship their God because it was confined to an ethnicity. It was confined to this one group of people and we can keep them under control. But now this faith in Christ comes and they don't worship our gods either. But now it is breaking out of this mold. Now it is not confined just to the Jews, even as we saw here it goes to these Hellenistic Grecian-speaking Jews, and now it starts breaking out and going even further. Turn to Acts chapter 10. Won't go through the whole story, but it's a wonderful just illustration of how God is at work and, and Peter is sitting on a rooftop and he's fasting and he has this vision. And in this vision, this big sheet comes down with all these animals that to the Jews were considered unclean. You don't eat these things. And a voice from heaven said, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says, not so, Lord. I have never eaten anything that is unclean. And the voice says, don't call what I have cleansed unclean. And then there's a knock on the door. And at that time, people from a Roman centurion named Cornelius says, you need to go and get this guy, Peter. So they go and they knock on the door and they say, hey, our master needs you. So Peter starts going to Cornelius and Cornelius says, hey, God has told me to talk to you because you've got something for me. And it says that Cornelius was a God-fearing man. And as Peter starts talking to him, he sees him filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter says, wow, what's going on? This vision, this Cornelius, who is an unclean man, something is happening here. And in verse 37, we see Peter saying, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed and how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with his power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. And here we see that this message now goes to Cornelius, who is a Roman and the doors are broken open. This 
God has been set loose. He is no longer confined to an ethnic group. He is now contagious to everyone. You see, you ever wonder why would Paul try to keep people from going into Judaism? Like, why would people want to go and be circumcised, right? Guys, you with me? You know, why would that be inviting to everyone? Or, oh, hey, guys, stop eating bacon. It's unclean. You've got to do. Why would they want to go back to that? Because there is protection if you were under this blanket of Judaism. Rome allowed you to worship your God and not their gods. But if you were not under their protection, all of a sudden, you were vulnerable. And they saw these new sect of believers as being a cancer that could spread and in fact did. Larry Hurtado's book, Destroyer of the Gods, early Christian distinctive in the Roman world, he talks about what made these Christians so unique. Again, from this other perspective. What was perplexing is that this Jesus that they were following did not look like a hero to them. He was not victorious. He was crucified. If you're going to follow someone, follow someone who cannot be overcome. You want a God who is greater than the other gods, and here is this man who succumbed to death on a cross by this government. Why would you follow him? And even in the resurrection, it wasn't so much that we just don't believe that there can be a resurrection. In their minds, why would you want to be a resurrection? Why would you want to come back into a body that is less than in their mind? Their whole idea was, no, you want to move forward into the spiritual plane. Resurrection was not appealing to them. Why would you follow someone, first of all, who was died and then just came back to a body? These things were not appealing to them. It it was something that they would be confused by. They would be confounded that this would be the position that you would want. And, And not only that, this faith in this God put you in positions that required things of you. It required your behavior to change towards other people. Where in their society, it was how you can establish yourself and make your life good so that you could move on to the next life. And it was all about status. And instead of trying to gain status, here was this God who instead of gaining power, gave it away to his followers. And now they are doing likewise. See, in that culture, there were so many things that were taking place that they thought were normal. If you had a child and the child was born with some disability, well, then you would discard the child, and that was considered the norm. Or if you did not want a girl because you wanted a male to continue your name, you would discard the girl. They have letters written by people who are very 
passionate letters, very letters that are full of just love where a, a man is writing to his wife and says, I miss you. I think about you every day. Can't wait to be back. If you are, you know, if you deliver the child before I arrive, if it's a boy, you know, bring him in. If it's a girl, discard her. And I love you and I will see you when I get there. And it's just matter of fact. And you see, it wasn't that they were monsters. How could you do that? That was their belief system. But then here come these followers of Jesus and they go to the places where these children are abandoned. And what would normally happen is if it was a girl, then they might be taken in and she would be raised to be a temple prostitute to bring money in for them. And now what's happening is these Christians are bringing them in and are considering them the family those who are disabled and will not have this profitable purpose in life are brought in and they're considered to be their children. And all of a sudden, value is being given to these people who were considered someone you could discard. And it was perplexing. What is going on with these people? They don't have the temple. They don't have the things that we normally associate. And look what they're doing. Everything is backwards. Not only that, they're saying that their God actually loves them. You see, they were interested in escaping from this world and the difficulties that were in this world And here were these followers of Jesus stepping into the difficulties and embracing them instead of trying to escape them. And here is a God that loves his followers. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. There's the imitation. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, I'm a follower of Jesus, and this is what Jesus did, and this is now what I am doing. I'm imitating Christ. And though they saw them as being without God because they were so present in this world, what they were really doing is not trying to escape, but showing themselves up in this world. And I think this is at the heart of what we are as followers of Jesus, or supposed to be. We are supposed to be people who engage in the world that we're living in because we are here to make a difference in this world. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. He said, you are a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. He didn't say, get through it because then you get out. That's why what I shared last week about this idea of being able to escape needs to to change, I think, in our mindset. You're not here so that you can escape the difficulties. You are here so that you can change them. You are here so that you can make a difference. You are here so that you can walk 10 miles or four, whatever you could make, so that you could show your participation and have an impact on a person and on people and on the world. 
You are here to sacrifice and, and put your money so that you can build a cafeteria in Haiti and develop a food program so that these kids can now start to develop a life and have that. Even though it costs you, it gives to them. And you see, this is imitating Jesus. This is what it looks like to follow after Christ. And, and this is what we want This is what's important for us to understand. In Philippians chapter 1, Paul says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Now, I love the idea that to die is gain. I want to know that it makes life so much more comforting to know that when I'm done, there's something better, right? But when Paul says to die is gain, but It's important that I am here for to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. You see, that wasn't just true for Paul. That's true for you as well. That's true for me as well. Or at least it should be. We should not be thinking, well, it's okay when I die, I gain. No, it is more necessary for you to be here for someone else. This isn't about escaping That's the truth, that there is something better for us. But also what is true, it is more necessary for you to be here. And if you do not see that, you are missing the point of what it means to be Christian. Your life is necessary, but it's necessary not just for you. It is necessary for someone else. And if you don't Embrace that. If you don't see that, you will miss the importance of your life because as Christ is, so are you in this world. What does that mean? You are not here for yourself. You are here for someone. I am alive to Christ, but I'm dead to myself. What does that mean? I am here for a purpose that is beyond me. And Christianity is just this. It is living that life of Christ for others. It is recognizing your life has purpose for others. It is recognizing that it is more necessary that you are here right now. Otherwise, you would not be here right now. It's not up to you when you get to go. It's up to him. Oh, I can't wait to be gone. You better wait. We need you. God needs you. Someone else needs you. That's what it means to be Christian. You are needed. The world needs you. And you will change it just like the early church did because they saw them. And they're living like Jesus. And they changed the entire culture. Because how they lived. And so when I think of what does it mean to be a Christian, it isn't a certain belief system. Well, you have to believe that Jesus is God. Well, we do believe that. But I know people who believe that and don't act like Christians. 
Well, you have to believe that he died for our sins. I believe that. But I know people who believe that who don't act like Christians. You have to believe that he rose from the dead. Of course we believe that. It's at the heart of who he is. But believing that, if it doesn't show up in how you live, then the power is gone. And to be a Christian is the power to change the world because God changed the world through the person of Christ, even though he was not a hero in their eyes, even though he was crucified and failed in their eyes. It spread throughout everyone that imagine that God would love us that much. And it prompted them to love others. And it became something that people did not want to resist. So us here this morning, who name ourselves Christian, I want you to realize if that's your name, you are necessary. That you're not looking for an escape. You're looking for the hurt and you're willing to step in. Because to this you were called, Christ suffered, giving for you an example that you would follow in his steps, 1 Peter 2.23. And by stepping into the difficulty, you actually open the door for Christ to start to work in someone else's life. We were talking just this morning with Denise, who's our liaison, liaison to Haiti. Try to say it French, but anyway. And just how difficult it is. It'd be easier just let someone else do that. But you see, she can't. Because the hurt hurts her. Robbie couldn't do nothing because the hurt that Terry was going through hurt her because she's experienced it with her brother. And so when you see someone's hurt and it hurts you, it's an invitation to be a Christian. Because when we were dead in our trespasses and sin, Christ gave himself for us. When we were hurting, he stepped into our lives and he gave us the invitation to do the same. That's what I believe is at the heart of being a Christian. Let's pray. Lord, I feel overwhelmed at times when I think about how much hurt is in this world. And God, I know that we ask oftentimes from you, what do you want us to do? How can we make a difference? And I pray, Father, that we would not be afraid to step into the hurts that we see, even though it costs us. 
that we can't step into every hurt, but Lord, show us which ones to step into. And I pray that this community would continue to be imitators of you. That we would indeed change the world by effectively representing you, Jesus. God, I admit I need your help. I need your strength. Jesus, we all do. Lord, we want to make the difference. And we know you want us to make that difference. We want to continue the revolution you began. I want to ask you this morning, if you would like to be a Christian, knowing that it is following Jesus into the lives of others. If that's what you desire, would you stand to your feet? This isn't asking if you want to accept Jesus. This is asking if you understand this as being a Christian, would you stand to your feet? Father, these who are standing with me, we come to you saying this is our desire may we not shy away from it may our commitment to you be full as these early followers change their world it is our desire to change ours in a world that is divided politically ethnically socially in so many ways We want to stand with you and defy the world. Yesterday we had Democrats and Republicans walking together because they loved Harry. We had black, white, Hispanic, all the different races walking together because we are going to step into this. Lord, may we continue to do so. May our desire to imitate you be greater than the pull of this world to escape. We commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. May your light shine before others that they see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. May people look at you and say, they are Christian. May you be named by the things that you do that look like your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Hope to see you next week. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.